A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to A Stab in the Dark, UK TV's crime podcast that opens the casebook on both crime fiction and television crime drama. Now, our regular host with the most award-winning crime writer, Mark Billingham, is currently doing his warm-up exercises for some brand new episodes. And while Mark's limbering up, we wanted to bring you a little something extra to bridge the gap. So this is man with the spyglass, Paul Hirons, holding the fort. In this mini-episode, we're going to be looking at a genre that has become such a staple both on-page and on-screen, you can barely turn on a television without seeing a gruff, bearded policeman with snow in his beard or a tormented, obsessive female cop on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Yes, I'm going to be talking about Scandinavian and Nordic crime, or Nordic noir, if you will. Where does Nordic noir come from? What defines it? Are there any links to British crime? So without further ado, let's put our snow boots on and go out into the wilderness. I spent the last year travelling the UK and further afield to speak to some of the region's best-loved and best-selling crime authors to find out answers to these burning questions. Let's start with Anna Holt. One of the region's best-selling writers, Norwegian Anna, is a former policewoman, lawyer and even served in the Norwegian Ministry of Justice, so she was an ideal person to talk to first. I spoke to her at Lassie's Crime Fest in Bristol and asked her what the term Nordic noir meant to her. I feel that uh, Scandinavian crime nowadays is so diverse that it's impossible to give a definition because you have... On one hand, you can have authors who write very traditional suspense novels like Camilla Lekberg, and you have, uh, and, and we had Stieg Larsson who writes in a very American style and an American tradition. So I don't think we have anything to pinpoint to the to, when it comes to defining um, Scandinavian crime writing today. Not quite the answer I was looking for, but Anna is right. On the surface, there isn't a unique defining characteristic to Nordic noir, as you can find everything from classic whodunits to serial killer cat and mouse stories under that umbrella. But there has to be more to a genre first started back in the 1960s by Swedish authors Per Wahle and Moy Sjöval. I spoke to rising star of Icelandic crime fiction, Ragnar Jonasson, again at Crimefest, and asked him for his thoughts on this seemingly burgeoning genre. We have had, uh, I mean, in terms of TV, there's been a lot of quality crime drama from the Nordic countries. So I, I think, uh, and, and the, the writers who've been paving the way, I mean, for Iceland, it's like Arnaldur Indriðason and Esa Sigurðardóttir, and the big authors of Scandinavia, like Mankal or Jonespo or Stieg Larsson. Uh, it's quality uh, uh, and quality writing or quality TV, but all slightly different. So you get a bit something new every time. And uh, when you mentioned the uh, sort of the nice landscapes, I think that's also a, a factor that it's uh, it's uh, the 
again, you wouldn't expect to see like uh, death in such a nice place. So mm. when you uh, when someone dies in a picturesque location and there's blood and some horror, that's probably the uh, uh, the thing that sort of these contrasts that draw you in. Now we're getting somewhere. The landscape, that unforgiving, all-pervasive white darkness, that unrelenting, cold and bleak wilderness, can often become a character all of its own. Ragnar, of course, was referring to Icelandic giants of crime fiction, Arnalda in Dryderson, and friend of a stab in the dark, Irsa Sigurdardottir. Here's what Irsa had to say when I caught up with her at Crimefest. Uh, the reason why people are drawn to it is because it's quite... I think it's quite good. We, Nordic crime fiction, Scandinavian crime fiction tends to sort of focus a little bit uh, not only on the murder but sort of social topics and issues and put the characters in, in uh, sort of in the foreground, quite often very strong female characters and, and it's just a mix that, that just works very well on TV and, and, and I think, you know, it's just, uh, it's a good, uh, uh, it's, it's, it makes for good crime TV. That's your phone. (laughs) That's probably the alarm clock that was supposed to go off yesterday morning. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, sir. Here's Anna Holt again. Uh, Henning Monkel was actually the first one to break through in uh, foreign uh, in modern times. But before that, you had had Sjöval and Waller, the Swedish couple who wrote the Martin Beck series from 1965 to 1975. And I think they kind of laid the ground rules for what Scandinavian crime writing should be about. And then came a few authors doing kind of the same thing, social realistic, critical, kind of left-wing novels that are were helping to... Make Make Scandinavian crime writing very serious and real literature, you can say. Uh, but and 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 then it kind of exploded f- ten years later, and then came of course Stieg Larsson, who who wrote in a very different fashion, and then came Jul Nesper, who wrote in a third fashion. So and then all publishing houses all around the world figured they needed their Scandinavian writer. They too. So um, I think it's mostly luck. Now we're really getting somewhere. The landscape, the climate and the social issues that often permeate Nordic noir stories or, as creator of The Bridge, Hans Rosenfeld called it, the second story, all add up to key ingredients in Nordic noir. But what do we mean by social issues? If there's any doubt writers from Nordic countries aren't passionate about social justice, here's Finnish writer Kati Hjelkapelto speaking at Crimefest about tackling tough issues via her protagonist, Senior Constable Anna Feketa. I think in Finland it's going on exactly the same what is going on everywhere in Europe. We have lots of refugees there now seeking for asylum. And just recently Finland made a new law that Iraq, Afghanistan and Somalia are safe countries. So... They have now legal rights to report them, de- deport them back. But on the other hand, if you read uh, uh, from the foreign minister, those well, they say that you shouldn't travel into these countries. So are they safe or not? And this is exactly what I'm talking talking about in the defenseless. 
the defenseless being Carty's second novel. So we've covered Norway and Finland, but let's go back to Iceland, a relatively new player in the Nordic noir genre, despite its long tradition of storytelling and great crime authors. The island really burst onto the global scene thanks to the transmission of brilliant crime drama Trapped in 2015, which opened a lot of Brits' eyes to Icelandic crime authors. To investigate more, I went to Reykjavik-based festival Iceland Noir in 2016 and spoke to rising star Lilia Sigurdardottir, whose debut novel is out this year on Arenda Books, Ragnar Jonasson and Quentin Bates, a British novelist and translator who came to Iceland in the late 70s on a gap year and is now a semi-permanent resident. Here's Lilia on what makes Icelandic crime so interesting. I think, I mean, in general, Icelandic uh, crime is in, is in line with the Nordic noir. It's it's of of a similar um, nature, but of course, the um, location of Iceland uh, makes it a little bit different because uh, you know you we have this nature around us and this uh, uh, weather and all that um, makes makes Iceland a bit different from the other Nordic countries. But that said, I I was just told off by a critic by, uh, for not being Nordic enough, you know, too international, too, you know, le- le- give me less disco, please, or something like that. So because I am, um, I am, of course, I, I draw very much from my Icelandic roots, but... Uh, in some ways, I maybe do it do it like someone who is um, who is experiencing Iceland from abroad because I was partly raised in uh, other countries, so uh, I have a mixed inheritance, if I can say. Uh, um, I have a lot of Latino uh, influence in my writing. And here's Ragnar again. In terms of at least Icelandic noir, it's uh, it's probably something to do with the the, the place we live in, the nature the the uh, locations which are uh, often sort of quite remote and isolated uh, and and picturesque it's uh, everywhere you look in Iceland there's something new and something quite beautiful to see so I've tried to like set my books around uh, in a in a location which can actually serve as like a in a way a character in the book uh, so I think that's pretty defining for Icelandic. Uh, authors who write crime fiction and the other thing is maybe the weather because we have uh, I mean historically the weather is such a an impo- important factor for Iceland because of basically the fisheries uh, the fishermen in the olden days it was just a matter of life and death whether they could go out and get fish or not and whether they could go out and get back home so it was a so the weather is everyone. If if you uh, everyone always speaks of the weather in Iceland, everyone has a view, and we're always complaining because it's often quite poor. But it, uh, so I think the the weather, the wind and the rain and the cold, the snow, these are all sort of factors that you could use to emphasize the sort of feeling of of being in Iceland. And in the summertime, it's the exact opposite. It's very bright, quite warm. Uh, sunny all night through. So these extremes is uh, something you would use, I think. As Lilia and Rachna said, the defining characteristics of Icelandic noir seem to be the defining characteristics of Nordic noir. Location, 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 a propensity for tackling social issues and, well, something else. Here's Quentin Bates speaking to me at Iceland Noir. They all have their own flavour because uh, people tend to look at 
I don't much like the term Nordic noir, but um, Nordic crime fiction, Scandi crime fiction, whichever you want to call it, they look at it from the outside and they just see this happy, blonde, blue-eyed, homogenous mass. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely not like that at all, because each Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, the Faroe Islands, Finland, they all have their own flavour and a very distinct flavour. You can't lump them all together quite that easily, but people tend to do so, and it's quite saddening, really. So Icelandic fiction has a very has a distinct flavour of its own that draws partly on the literary heritage, the sagas, and, and Iceland's recent history as well, because it tends to be closer to America than the other Nordic countries, because Iceland was occupied by the US during the later stages of the war, there was American TV, and the politics is somewhat different to other Nordic countries as well. So it has this flavour and a feel and a texture all to itself, as well as the obvious things like the weather and being no trees and, and all the rest of it. So despite similarities, each country does have its own unique flavour, and that counts for Britain's relationship with Nordic noir too, if you dig even further. Here's Rachna at Crimefest again. But, uh, yes, I mean, uh, Agatha Christie is, is widely read in Iceland, and uh, her, the, the films and the series based on her works are, have been very popular in Icelandic TV, uh, as well as like uh, the Dalglis, the P.D. James series. They were, uh, the, those books were translated and they were uh, very popular. And so British crime drama and, uh, and probably drama even more than fiction uh, has been, uh, it's probably yeah, influenced a lot of us. It's influenced me, I know it's influenced uh, my colleague Irsa, and in, in sort of so the, uh, this classic, uh, the, in a way like golden age rules of detective fiction, they stick with you. So you want to have like a, a twist at the end and a fair, fair play in terms of what you're writing, although it's all set in modern Scandinavia, and tackling real current problems as well. I mean, like Broadchurch uh, was like a slow-burning, brilliant series. It's probably quite influenced by the Danish uh, Nordic uh, series, like uh, uh, The Killing. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's right that it's maybe gone in like a circle, but uh, I mean, it's, it's nice. Yeah, it sort of goes back and forth what's in, in fashion. And now... Um, yeah, now we get a lot of. St we've always gotten a lot of quality crime drama from uh, from the UK, and, and I think it's the standard here is very high. So it seems that one nation's output is influenced by another, with this relationship going back and forth as the years go by. Many have argued that we're in the middle of a golden age of crime drama and crime fiction, and within this cross-continental, almost subliminal collaboration. British and Scandinavian work have been and are influenced by each other. The Killing was influenced by Prime Suspect, Broadchurch by The Killing, and so on and so forth. But as we peel back the layers and find these links, one thing remains the same. Writers, wherever they come from, are writers first and foremost. Here's Anna Holt again. 
I see myself as a writer, and I think that is the greatest strength of criminal or crime fiction is that uh, it's universal because it deals with universal problems, almost biblical problems. It deals with guilt and redemption and, and, and punishment and, and remorse. Uh, and I think that all those are universal sizes, and we, we always, in, in every society, you kind of... You deal with those problems and those issues. Uh, so I feel as a Norwegian, I feel as a Scandinavian, I feel as a European, but when it comes to me being a writer, I'm a writer. And finally, here's one of Denmark's most popular crime writers, Sarah Bladel, speaking to me at Iceland Noir. I don't think that much about being a Nordic Noir writer, even that I'm coming from Denmark and I set my story in Copenhagen. But when I started up 14 years ago, it, was, it wasn't it was a huge Nordic Noir wave. It came maybe a couple of years after. So when I started, I just write a crime novel. I'm not putting myself that much into boxes. I don't, I don't have that, you know, in mind that I have to be very Nordic when I'm right. And I don't have to... We do not have polar bear walking around the streets in Copenhagen. We do not have ice winters. We have some pretty tough, uh, pretty tough weeks maybe of snow, but that's it. So it's so boring when when you expect it to be uh, to be exotic and cool, cold, and you know we don't have that. So I'm not trying to compare myself with authors that really can put on the freezer. I'm I'm just writing crime novels, and I don't see myself all. Always rig my main character as super Nordic, but just super Danish, maybe. So, what have we learned during this investigation into Scandinavian and Nordic crime? As with any genre that becomes successful, there do seem to be conventions and themes. In Nordic Noir's case, it's the incredible locations and that second story, that examining of social issues and not flinching from doing so. It's this kind of heady mix that makes Nordic noir so compelling and so gripping, and writers from the region use crimes to explore these issues. But Sarah and Anna also make good points. There's a bit of everything under the umbrella of so-called Nordic noir, and that term tends to focus only on the super dark and the super chilling. So take what you will from all that, but one thing's for sure, as more and more authors from the region are being translated into English and TV series from Sweden... Denmark and Iceland in particular are shown on British TV screens. Nordic Noir is here to stay. This episode of Stab in the Dark was produced by me, Paul Hirons, and Sam Pearson. And Mark will be back in the host chair very soon. Many thanks to the good people at Crimefest, which is back in Bristol in May 2017 for another festival. Go to crimefest.com for more details. The good people at Iceland Noir, which will be back in, well, Iceland in 2018 and Arenda and Hodder, who publish Ragnar, Kati and Irsa in the UK. And I must say thank you to my Finnish friend Arnie, who helped me with the pronunciations during this episode. If you want to read the names correctly spelt, then go to our website, uktv.co.uk slash a stab in the dark. That's about it from me for now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>